Well, this morning we're going to continue our, our study. We're, we're in a study right now, if you're visiting with us, hadn't been here for a while, we're in a study called Gifted Kids, Embracing, Expressing, and Experiencing the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what we're doing is, as we spent six or eight weeks building a foundation, uh, we believe that, that all the gifts of the Spirit are still in existence, that they're still beneficial for the church today. And so we spent, I don't know, eight weeks probably uh, building a foundation uh, for the right kind of environment, the right kind of atmosphere, the love that's needed, and all of that stuff. And then we begin the process of just working through the gifts. And we've been in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, looking at verses 11 through 13 uh, for, for several weeks. And today will be our last day there. Uh, if you want to study ahead and kind of get the landscape of where we're going, we're headed to 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to look at the, the gifts that are listed there in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Uh, the gifts, for the most part, that we've looked at in Ephesians chapter 4, we're familiar with. We're not, uh, some of us are not familiar with the gift of the apostle, and uh, some of us are not familiar that much with the gift of the prophet. But we're about to look at some gifts that there's a great deal of controversy about, uh, but yet... Those gifts are still in existence. The church still needs those gifts. And they're not strange gifts. They're not weird gifts. They're just powerful gifts. And what happens is when we don't understand something, when there's, when there's ignorance of us, and by that I don't mean stupidity. I mean we just haven't been taught. We're fearful of the things we don't understand. And listen, I, I've, for the la- I'm, I'm almost to the end of the, of the stuff. I'm, I'm ahead, okay? I want you all to know that. I'm not just doing this week to week. I'm, I'm, I'm ahead, and I'm almost at the end of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as far as, as the gifts goes. And man, I'm excited because there are some, I mean, I had never, I mean, I had given lip service study to them, and I've been taught basic uh, just little bitty pieces and parts and told that they didn't exist anymore and so don't worry about them but man when i begin to dig in they're rich okay they're rich and we're going to look at them and we're going to look at them uh in an anticipation that god will use them in our body as well as as the gifts we've already looked at and the ones that will come after that so i'm just giving you a heads up we're going to look at the uh, uh the gift of a word of wisdom next week and then we'll look at the word of knowledge we, I'm not going to try to call them all out, but we're going to, we're going to hit every one of them. So if you want to read ahead a little bit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14. But today we're going to look at the final gift in the, in the list here in, in Ephesians chapter 4, which is the gift of teacher, or the teaching gift. And uh, the Apostle Paul makes a, a very interesting statement in the letter that he writes to the church at Corinth. And if you're familiar, if you've been in church very much, you know that Corinth was a, was a church that had, it was a, a church filled with, with arrogance and misunderstanding and, and ignorance, okay? And so Paul writes a letter, and in fact he writes two letters, and, and some biblical scholars think he even wrote a third letter, which was lost. Now, I don't know, we have two, and that's all we have, Okay. But he wrote several letters to this church, and he wrote it to help them understand what to do. It wasn't to forbid things, for the most part. It was to bring correction to things. How many of you, uh, with your children, you have to correct them every once in a while? Okay? I mean, I don't know any children that made it through life without some correction. All right? 
Churches need correction from time to time. We need, all of us need to be brought back to the, to the center place so that we're balanced and we're not out of balance. It's really easy to get out of balance. You can get out of balance over on the side where anything goes and you can get out of balance on the side where nothing goes, all right? Neither one of those places is where we want to be as Christians. We want to be in the middle where God is. And so we're going to look at all that. But the Apostle Paul makes a, a very interesting statement to them early in his letter. In, in fact, it's in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 1 through 5 very quickly. He says, When I came to you, brethren, I didn't come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Now that's a powerful passage of Scripture. In, 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 in that day, Corinth was the center of debate. Okay, the great debaters all went to Corinth. It was like actors who go to Hollywood. Okay, it was like Broadway actors who go to New York. If you were a debater, you went to Corinth because they lived, they ate, slept, and they breathed debate. They would show up by the thousands to listen to debaters debate one another like, like heavyweight fighters. And so it, it wasn't that what they were saying was truth. It was who used the, the oratory skills the best. Y'all understand what I'm saying? It didn't matter what they were saying. It was how they said it. It was the argument that they gave. And, and so they were, there were great debaters. But Paul comes and, and, and he says, you know, I didn't come that way. I came to you with a message. And it was the message. It was, and I came to you and I demonstrated intellect. Okay? It wouldn't all be here in your brain. Now, I want you to listen to me. God has given us brains to think with. Amen? He expects us to use reason. That's one of the reasons we have it. But we are not just a reasoning creature alone. We are also feeling creatures. We feel. We experience. God intended us to be creatures who could think and who could experience. All right? I was told never to trust your experiences. All right? It was all here in your head. It's not. If it's all here in your head, you're missing half the experience with God. You really are. And so Paul comes and he, he, he makes this declaration. He tells the church that he came to them in utter weakness. And literally, that he, he left his, his, his abilities, his, the things he had learned in school. And I want you to understand, Paul was a well-educated man. He was, he was a scholar. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the, the, the greatest teacher of their day. He had been a disciple with him. He had walked with him. And so he says, I came in utter weakness. I, I didn't come with, with all the things that I learned. But what he did is he said, I allowed the Holy Spirit to work through me. He didn't lean on his intellectual abilities, although man, they, they were pretty impressive. Okay, Read the book of Romans. That's a pretty strong, powerful argument. But he didn't lean on that. 
but rather he used the Holy Spirit given that had, that had given him the gift of teaching. And he didn't just reach their heads, he reached their hearts. Okay? It's not enough to reach in here. You have to reach in here and reach down into here. Okay? That's what God wants to do. And so his goal was not to, for them to have an intellectual faith, although it's important, okay? It, that's where it starts at. But it's not enough to believe in here. The, the Bible says that even the demons believe that God is God, but they're not saved. They call him El Elyon, the God Most High. They bow their knee to that name, not because they want to, but because they have to. And so Paul comes in, and his goal was not to just to build an intellectual faith. He wanted the Holy Spirit to reach their hearts. And so there's a difference in believing something with your mind and believing it with your heart. Okay? Intellectual conversions don't last. But heart conversions last. And so Paul comes, and he preaches to the lost there in Corinth. And he taught those that had been converted so that the spiritual, there was spiritual growth and so that there was development so that, that it would take place and they would grow. You know, sermons very often are preached to bring the listeners to a decision. Okay? That, that's, that's basically what you're taught in preaching classes is you are, you are making a, 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 a biblical sermon, but really you're making an argument to bring people to the point where they have to make a decision, either for what you're, you're speaking about or against it. And so preaching uh, seeks to bring people to a decision. But listen, a lesson that's taught, it brings them development and it brings maturity. One reaches the center very often while the other matures the saints. And that's exactly what Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the, the kind of the verse we've been, we've, uh, chapter we've been camped out in for the last month or so, tells us in a, verse 11 through 13. And I'm, I'm not going to list all the gifts. I'm going to just list the one gift that I'm, I'm focusing on today. But it says, and he, and we know from reading this that that's Jesus. And Jesus gave some as teachers. Well, why did he give us teachers? Okay, why? So we could be bored and have to listen to lectures. No, he gave us teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ, so that we could all grow. For how long are we going to have teachers? Until we all not a few of us, all of us attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man or woman, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. We're going to have teachers just like we're going to have apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors or shepherds, teachers. We're going to have those gifts and the rest of the gifts until we get to that place where we're like Jesus. Now, if there's anybody in here that's already there, you won't need to stay, okay? You can be excused from this class. But I, I mean, to be honest with you, we're all in remedial, oh, whatever, basically, okay? Until we get to that place. And you know what? We're getting there. 
I want to encourage you. You may not think you are, but you are. This is not a race against one student and another student in the class and who can get. This is just a, this is a journey all of us are on. Every one of us is making progress in this. But we're going to have the gift of the teacher until that takes place. Man, I wish God would pour this one out on this church in measure, okay? And he has. He has. We need this in the modern church. Jesus says, puts it this way in John 16, 12. He tells his disciples, he says, I have many more things to say to you, but you can't hear them yet. You know what? He could just as easily have said that to us. I know some of you can't wait till we get over there to a fee, I mean to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You're ready to go now. But some of us are not ready to get there yet, okay? We're working our way there. And so we need to be taught. And the Holy Spirit is teaching us. The spiritual gift of teacher or teaching, I may, I may use either of those phrases this morning, but I'm saying the same thing, either teacher or teaching. It's not a talent, okay? It's not a learned method. It's not a degree you earn by taking education classes and courses in college. Listen, if you're a school teacher, I am not despair. My mother was a school teacher, all right? So I come from a family of school. My, I have a great uncle that was a school teacher, a great aunt that was a school teacher. I was going to be to go, okay, a teacher, and decided that was not the course, a school teacher was not the course I needed to go, okay, I needed to go somewhere else. But So I have great appreciation for teachers, but I'm not talking about the teachers that teach in our schools. You may, they may have the spiritual gifts, some of them, but some of them may not. They may have, have, to have to, had a good education and they're very talented in what they do. So I'm, I want you to separate the two for a moment. I'm talking about a supernatural gifting that we get without taking any classes, without going to any seminars, but that the Holy Spirit just gives us because He says, you know what? I think I'll just give this to Brian. I think I'll just give this to Kathy. I think I'll just give this to to Cody. I I think I'll just give this to Raymond. I'll just throw that out there. I'll just bless them with it. Okay, so we're talking about something different than a vocation that you train for. This is a gifting that God gives. And so it's a supernatural ability given sovereignly by the Holy Spirit to whomever he pleases, that empowers that person to teach, to instruct, to instill doctrine, to explain and expound on the Word of God so that that the Word of God can be applied effectively in the life of a church and in the life of an individual. It's the ability to arrest the intellect, okay? It's important that we get that. Our minds are important. It's it's the ability that the Holy Spirit gives to to grab hold of the intellect, but then to move past the intellect into the heart. He reaches deep into the heart where genuine faith exists, and he plants scriptural truth. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only he can empower the supernatural gift of teaching or the teacher to accomplish that work in his church. Jesus explained it this way. In John chapter 16, verse 13, he said this. But when he, well, who is he in this verse? It tells us, when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, 
He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going to teach the disciples. Now they've walked with Jesus. They've spent the last three years with him. They've eaten. They've slept. They've ministered. They, they've gone through, through the heat. They've gone through the cold together. They've seen him do what he's done. They've done some of the things that he's done. And yet the Holy, God says, uh, Jesus says that, that the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna teach you the meaning. Paul puts it this way. When, he, when he's writing to the, the Corinthian church in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, For to us God revealed them, and he's talking about the, 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 the secrets, the dark things, uh, not the dark things, the, the, the mysteries. For, God, for to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. And then he goes on to say this in just a, a couple of verses. In verse 13 he says, Which things we also speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thought with spiritual words. The gift of teacher is, is mentioned in three of the four major passages on spiritual gifts found in, in Scripture. So it's an important gift, okay? And we'll talk about why it's so important a little later. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 and 29, reminds us of, of what Ephesians chapter 4, 11 says. In fact, it's almost the same. And it says this in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed, He has set some. Okay? That, that's literally what appointed means. He has set some in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all not apostles, are they? No. Are all not prophets, are they? Well, no. Are not all teachers, are they? No. What he's trying to, to tell us there is, is he's, he's, he's kind of, it's like distributing seed or fertilizer. He's, he's pitched it in there. Everybody's not going to be a teacher, Okay. Now, I want to say something right there, okay? <laughs> Sometimes we teach because we see a need. We step up, we meet the need, and you know what? God uses us. But there are a lot of people who have the gift that won't step up, all right? Y'all tracking with me? There are plenty of teachers everything we this body. God's given us enough for what we need to do. I just believe God supplies everything we need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So if, if we need 10 classes, guess what? God's got 10 teachers somewhere. But sometimes you just kind of have to step in there because you see the need. You know how to do it. You don't particularly feel uh, confident and maybe uh, 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 an expert at it, but you step in and do it. You know what? I had teachers along the way that were like that. They made a big difference in my life. Their gifts were, were something else, but they saw a need and, and they were there. They spent time. And so Paul tells us, uh, tells the Corinthians there that not everybody's going to be a teacher. Not everybody's going to have this gift or that gift. And then, he, then he tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and 7, he says, And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us exercise them accordingly. I mean, the message he's trying to get across to us is, there's a whole bunch of different gifts. A bunch of them. 
If prophecy, according to the proportions of his faith. If service, in his serving. And he who teaches, in his teaching. So the gift of teaching is, 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 is front and center in most of the, the passages in the New Testament where it talks about uh, the spiritual gifts. Why? Because it's a very, very important gift. As we look at this gift, I want, you to remind, I want to remind you that this gift, as well as all the others, have multiplied ways in which they might manifest. Okay? You may have the gift of teaching, but you're not going to stand and lecture. Okay? You may work one-on-one. You may demonstrate and teach through demonstration. You may teach through proclamation. You may teach in a myriad of other ways. It, it, it may manifest, like I said, in one-on-one. It may manifest in a small group. It may manifest with thousands in attendance. It may manifest with an ability to teach men. Or to teach women. Or, or groups that are combined. Or, or preschool kids. Or elementary age kids. Or teenagers. Or college students. Or single adults. Or special needs children. Or special needs adults. Or as many different kind of folks as they are. That's how varied this gift is. One size does not fit all. Can I just tell y'all something? When I teach kids. I kill them. And not in a good way. Okay. I don't know that I do a great job with adults, but I am awful. I mean, it's like they're sitting back there like this. They have no clue what I'm talking about. If my gift's not Sunday, and y'all are wondering where I'm at, you saw my truck. I may be teaching kids because somebody with the gift of teaching children didn't step up. Okay? Just an idea. Just a thought. Okay? You, You may not be good standing up in front of a group, but you are killer when it comes to going one-on-one. Discipling one-on-one. See, teaching happens in, in a lot of different ways and in a lot of different, it has a lot of different effects. The possibilities literally are infinite because the Holy Spirit is the one who gives that, that gifts to us. And they're, they're unique manifestations. And we said this over and over and over. They are, that spiritual gift is a unique manifestation of the Spirit through you. Your gift's not going to look like my gift. You don't have to imitate me. It was a, a, it, it was a freeing day when I realized that, you know what? I can just be Nelson. I don't have to be this pastor or that professor or this doctor or this great Bible teacher. I realize, you know what, I, I'm never going to be like that one or this one. I don't think the way they think. I don't, my process is different. And so when I came to grips with that, it kind of set me free just to be me. Now, God's still working on me, all right? I, I hadn't arrived. I want you all to understand that. And all of you all are going, we're pretty sure that's true. He is. He's still working on me. But I'm okay where we're at in the process. And I'm okay with the gift he's given me. All right? I don't lay in bed at night and dream of thousands and thousands. I can remember about 15 years ago in my office on the backside of nowhere at First Baptist Gardendale. I can remember telling God, God, you've given me this gift. I've gotten this award, and I got that award. You remember those, don't you? I worked hard, and he goes, yeah, I remember that. And I said, God, I'm just talking to ones and twos, and this is what God told me, okay? If you'll take care of the ones and the twos, I'll send you. I'll take care of the thousands. 
And that day I decided, okay, God, if I never get out of this office and this is where I minister for the rest of my life, I'm going to be faithful in who you send to me. And that's one of the, of the, 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 the hallmarks of a person with this gift. Is you know what? They can teach one or they can teach 10,000. It doesn't matter. They're just as, as, as thrilled about that one as they are the 10,000. It's a super. So the gift of a, of a teacher is it's not a talent, it's not a natural ability, it's a supernatural gifting. Now, once you recognize that you have that gift, yes, there are things you can do to enhance it, okay? There are things that you can do that will better help you to communicate the message. But the gifting itself, the passion and the core of it is supernatural. All right? It has certain characteristics that I think we can look for and discern whether or not a person has this particular gifting. A person possessing this gift is, is literally a lifelong student. Okay? They always are learning. They eat, they sleep, and they breathe. Reading and research. If you hate reading and you hate research, you probably don't have this gift. And it's okay. For those of us that do, it's almost like a curse. Okay? I don't have Kathy's permission to say this, but I don't think she'll mind. She's told me over and over, Nelson, you just need to be a monk. You need to, you need to go up to St. Uh, whatever it is up in Coleman, find you a little cell, and just move in with your books. Because I love to read. I love to research. Man, I, I, could, I have to remind myself, Nelson, there are other things you have to do. Okay? So you, it's a person that does that. And whenever they hear truth, they don't just accept it. Okay? They research that truth. They research the facts. And they want to validate that it is genuinely true. They're willing to accept new information. Without proving, they, they're not willing to accept new information without proving it through a system uh, that they use to establish truth by study and by, 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 by investigation. In other words, they're willing to take new ideas and concepts and, and theories, and, but they're going to prove them or disprove them through what has been revealed in God's Word, okay? They're not afraid of new things. New things are good, but everything that's not new, everything that's new, is not new. Y'all understand what I'm saying? There's nothing new under the sun. That's what Scripture says. It's just dressed differently. And sometimes you, you have to tr have somebody that will undress those things to see what's really there. Okay? Not everything that looks like a sheep is a sheep. Sometimes it's a wolf. All right? Not every truth that's claimed to be a truth is a truth. Sometimes it's a lie, very cleverly wrapped in a lot of layers. And so the, the gift of teacher is willing to unwrap it and dig through it. D doesn't mind how long it takes. They have a kind of a keen interest in, in personal study of the Bible. And, and they, they don't mind the disciplines that are involved in, in really studying the Bible. Things like uh, interpretational methods, which is a... Uh, a normal way of saying what you would hear in seminary, hermeneutics. How to study the scriptures, Bible study methods, history, biblical history, biblical languages, biblical geography, theology. The, the, the gift of the teacher kind of fleshes out Second 
Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Everybody's familiar with this passage. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, equipped for everything, for training in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's the ultimate goal of a spirit-gifted teacher. Okay? They're not afraid to dig in. They're not afraid to ask questions. In fact, this gift questions everything. All right? Uh, they're detail-oriented. They're very precise in, in how they communicate. They're, they're overly careful. Some people would say they're slow. We need to go here, Pastor, and we need to get there pretty quick. No, let's just slow down. Let me, let me work my way through it. And there's a reason. They're slow in making decisions. They're slow in changing directions. Because they want to make sure it's the right one. They want to make sure it's biblical. They make great evaluators and monitors because of their attention to detail. Teachers with this gift, they present truth in systematic sequences. Okay, They don't just pull here and here and here. They, They build a road and a bridge to get where they're going. Okay? They, they take the time to, to do it systematic. They're very organized in their presentations. And a spirit-gifted teacher will stress accuracy and definitions of words. Okay? And you say, why do we need to know definitions? Because definitions are important. We live in a world, folks, where five people can talk about the same thing and mean five different things because they have defined their words differently. Okay, you need to learn to define your terms when you're talking to somebody. Don't just assume they know what you mean when you talk about salvation. Don't just assume they know who Jesus is. They may know who Jesus is in their mind, but do they know who Jesus is out of Scripture? And so a teacher is is very, very purposeful. In fact, I, I put it this way. They're sticklers for definitions and, 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 and the meanings of words. Words and phrases and sentences are tools of their trade. Therefore, they're, they're very careful in, in using the precise terms needed to convey truth. They, they kind of shudder when somebody pulls a, a passage out of context. All right? I was taught this in Bible college. I was taught this in seminary. I've never forgot this. A passage out of context is a pretext. Okay? We just can't pull script. You can take scripture and make it mean anything. I mean, there's all kinds of doomsday cults out there and, and folks that have done all kinds. People went to, to, to Guyana and drank poison Kool Aid because they had taken scriptures out of context. Our stickers for that. They, they don't want to use illustrations that are questionable. But now, the gift of a teacher is not threatened by criticism. Okay, They don't mind if somebody asks questions or challenges them on a point. And if they do, beware. Okay, If you have somebody, this is the way or the highway, let me encourage you. Take the highway. All right? You'll be better off down the road. All right? That's a hobby horse. I'll get back off of it now. If it's my way or the highway, sayonara. I'm out of here. Which means don't ask me any questions. Listen to what I say and do what I tell you. Well, the only person in creation that I'm going to do that for is Jesus. All right?
Because he has given me a head to think with. He's given me a brain. He's given you a brain. You need to use it. Most people that we come in contact with every day can't think for themselves. That's why there's so much uproar in this country. There are, there are a handful of groups that are thinking for people instead of them thinking for themselves. Now, I'm not saying we're all going to agree. But we wouldn't be divided as nearly as much as we are if we just sat down and considered things. So we've got to learn to think for ourselves. And, and teachers help us do that who have this gift. They don't mind being questioned. They're committed uh, to, to, because they love the truth and they're willing to speak the truth in love. And they're never a teacher, uh, uh, one that is, has a spirit gift, is never going to manipulate or to threat, threaten somebody to try to prove their position. They allow their position to stand or fall on its biblical merit alone. Okay? If I have to stand up and, 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 and I'm, in an, I'm in a debate with an individual and I, have to, and I have to impugn their character and I have to demonize them and make them look bad, then my position is pretty weak. All right. If you'll just notice, that's what goes on in most of our world today. If I don't agree with you and I can't answer your argument, I'll make you look bad. And if you look bad enough, guess what? Nobody will believe you. And they will believe me even though I don't really have a position to argue from. Folks, we have a position that's rock solid. If we'll just learn what it means. It's not a hammer. Man, it's a, it's, a, it's a gift of God's love. But we have to learn to share it. And teachers help us do that. They're not, they're not threatened by, by you know, trying to prove their position. Like I said, they allow their position to stand on its own. They don't have a fear of sharing the truth. Man, I love somebody who will stand up and say, this is not right. Or somebody will stand up and say, you know what? This is right. This is the way it should be done. This is what God's word says. And you know what? It's God's. If you don't agree with God, take it up with him. But all of us have the responsibility to understand and to know what God says. And that's, that's what the, the teacher's passion is. Now the gift of the teacher is, is patient. Okay? I had some teachers in school that weren't patient. <laughs> okay. I had a specific professor. If you ask a stupid question, it was not a good thing. Okay. And most of the questions I asked were probably stupid in his way of thinking because I didn't know. Here's the way I look at it. If you have a question, it, it can't be stupid because the only stupid question is the question you refuse to ask. Okay. We ask questions to learn. And, and a genuine teacher is, is, is patient. They're willing to teach, like I said, one-on-one -on -one or a class full. And the, and the size doesn't mean anything. And they're willing to start where students are at. You ever been in a class where you felt like you were about 10 weeks behind when the first lecture was over? Man, I have. A spirit-gifted teacher starts exactly where the student's at. 
and they walk with them. Their goal is to is to to lead students into practicing biblical concepts as a lifestyle. Not they're not, they're not just filling the heads up. Okay, I mean I'm a, I'm gonna confess this. Most of of my schooling for the early on was to get what I needed to pass the test. All right, so that I didn't take any bad grades home, and the money got cut off. All right. When I started paying for it myself, things changed. I mean, if I'm going to pay for something, I want to get all I can of it. Does that make sense? Might be good to let your kids pay for their college, all right? Just an idea. Just an idea. But a teacher, their goal is to, is to, is to impart that wisdom, that knowledge, and those biblical concepts is a lifestyle because they understand that once something is learned, if, once you lear- really learn something, it changes your life, right? I mean, when you learn a lesson, it changes the way you live. They understand that for that to happen, it has to be consistent. Teachers explain and apply, and explain and apply, and explain and apply over and over and over. That's what Jesus did day in and day out. He healed somebody. He delivered somebody. Tomorrow, He healed somebody. He delivered somebody. Reckon why? Well, there was a need. But He was also teaching those disciples. Explained what He was doing. Then he did it. And that's what a good teacher does. Repetition uh, is the mother of learning, really. Most of us don't learn things on the first time. Yet, the beautiful thing about the teaching gift is that it imparts more than knowledge, okay? When I stand here on Sunday mornings or whenever I'm teaching, I'm not just trying to teach facts and figures and knowledge, about halfway through seminary, I, I realized I knew a whole bunch about God. A whole bunch of facts. But I didn't really know Him very well. I was saved. Okay, I had met Him. But I hadn't really got to know Him. And I realized that, you know what, it's not the fact. Teacher, you know, they mix the factual content and the biblical truths with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what causes spiritual growth. That's what causes blessing. This kind of gift kind of teaches and it reaches the human spirit and the soul. Like I said, it, it, it reaches through the brain, through the, the intellect, into the spirit and into the soul, into the heart. I mean... I have sat under some people that honestly, if you just sent me some food and some water every once in a while, I'd still be there sitting and listening. I could have listened to them endlessly. Why? Because they weren't just connected with my brain. They were connected with my soul and my spirit. They had that gift. And the power of, of what's being taught is, is not, a, it doesn't come in a finely crafted argument or, or perfect presentation. The power is in the inerrant and infallible truth that's being proclaimed. Uh, Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 1.18. He says, For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the testimony of God. And those who, who, who have this gift, who have this supernatural gift of teacher, they influence the influencers. 
Okay, they, they lead the leaders, they serve the servants, they, they provide a safe environment in which wounded and broken people can find healing and that they can flourish under. The, their teaching produces life and it, it, it pushes students to embrace their own true identity in Christ, to understand who they are and to know their purpose. God uses teachers to bring people into their destinies. How many of you, I, I, I'm just, how many of you had a teacher who made a difference in your life? Could have been a school teacher. Could have been a Bible teacher. Anybody in here? I can I can think of three or four that that guided me. I don't know if all of them were Christians, but but their teaching gave me a hunger. They made an impact in my life. They wanted they 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 pushed me farther than I thought I could go. Doctor uh, uh, Smith, who came and preached. Many of y'all remember him. He came and preached for us when we were uh, in Gardendale. He's one of those, those guys. And it wasn't so much in his class. It was at the first of the semester. He would, uh, he, Dr. Robert would ask us, he says, give me something I can pray for you. And then a year later he'd go, hey, Nelson, how about so and so? Well, listen, I, I'm just going to confess to you. You ask me to pray for you, I'm going to pray for you usually right then. And if I write it down, I'm going to pray for you a few more times. But a year from now, I'm likely not going to remember it. But he did. That impressed me. You know what that said to me? This guy really cares. And he does. And, he, and he's made a, an impact in countless students. And that's what teachers do. They make an impact. They help us figure out what our destiny is. It brings blessings and it calls forth life and it defeats that, that predatory spirit that likes to feast on people who are discouraged and despondent and ignorant of what God really says. There are spirits that, that gnaw on us because we don't understand what the Word of God says. The gift of teacher is, is the moral enemy of one of those, and that's the religious spirit. The religious spirit works to keep believers in the bondage of ignorance. Okay? They don't, and ignorance, I want to say this again, doesn't mean stupidity. It means I just don't know. I haven't been taught, untaught. And, and it makes us a slave to endless rituals and rules and regulations that we don't have any understanding of. Why am I doing this? Well, so-and-so said, this is what I'm supposed to do. If I'll just do this, this is what will happen. And it never happened. Okay? It, 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 it won't happen. Religion is a slave master. And, and it will suck the, ever, the last drop of life out of you. And when there's no more, it will complain because there's nothing else to suck out of you. If you know what I'm saying. Okay? Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8. Verse 31 and 32. He said, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth. And I love the last phrase. And the truth shall what? Make you free. Set you free. Folks, truth sets us free. And, and, and someone who has this gift has the passion to see people set free. They have the ability to listen to, to the brokenness of sin without having a critical attitude. They, they recognize that, you know what, if I can just impart the, the proper biblical knowledge and wisdom to this person, that you know what, they can make the right decisions and, and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, then you know what, miracles can happen and freedom can come. 
And I say this, the gift of teaching is the gift that protects the church from the poison of false teaching and from heresy. Okay? It, it, it exposes the lies and it brings balance. How many of you realize that, that we, we float this way and we float this way? And you know what? It's easy to float too far and end up in the ditch and think everything's good. But spirit-filled teachers pull us back. They keep with their teaching and they pull us back from their teaching and they, and they just kind of guide us. They keep us from, from getting out of balance. They're, they're committed to, to leadership and they're committed to accountability and to, and to bringing governance, uh, balance in the governance of the church. Ultimately, the, the teaching gift kind of bridges, and this is what I really like about it. It, uh, it bridges the objective truth of God. Okay? This is the objective truth of God. It, it bridges this with, with, with the, the truth, the ingredients of God that God's looking for, but it, 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 it balances that with the subjective experience with God, okay? This, without experience, leads to dry orthodoxy. Let me put that in a word everybody understands. Dead. Dead. Experience, though, without this, leads to anything you can imagine. It's like, have you ever seen a, a wild animal? Okay, that's, that's a good picture. It does whatever it wants, whenever it wants. But together, those things create a balanced individual. It creates a balance in the body of Christ. Because spirit and truth is what God's looking for. He's looking for both. He, he doesn't just say, Wor worship me with your intellect. He doesn't say that. Or he, he doesn't say, leave your intellect at the door, check it at the door, and just come and worship me with your emotions. He never says that. He says, I want spirit and truth. He says, in fact, he says this in John chapter 4, verse 23, but an hour is coming and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for such people the Father seeks. In other words, He is looking for men and women and boys and girls who will worship that way. He doesn't just want you to worship with your head. He wants you to worship with your heart. Now that looks different in, in a lot of us. It may look this way for me. Okay? It may look this way for you. Alright? It's okay. Just engage Him with your mind and your heart at the same time. And he will do what he wants to do. Worship that proceeds from the intellect lacks passion. Alright? It lacks passion. And God wants both our mind and our heart. And a spirit-gifted teacher understands and teaches for change of mind and change of heart. And listen, the, the, the goal of a spirit-gifted teacher is simplicity and practicality. Okay? Here's what I was taught in Bible college and in seminary. These were wonderful lessons. One of the first classes taught me this. It was a little cross. And then the illustration was, don't put the sheep food up where only the giraffes can reach. And that has been the goal of my ministry, is to, is to keep it very simple, because that's how I understand Scripture. I understand it that way. I don't think, I realize God is, is complex beyond anything my mind can grasp. 
But when he talks in Scripture, it's pretty simple. The concepts of, 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 of sanctification and salvation, they're pretty simple. Although they're complex beyond degree, they can be understood because they can simply be stated. They can be taught. And a good teacher lays it right out there where everybody can eat. Okay? I'll never forget, and I'm not going to mention this theologian's name because he is honored. He's dead now. He's in heaven. Brilliant man. He came to speak, and he spoke for four days uh, while I was in, in, in Bible college. And they gave us a book to read to prepare for his, his uh, lectures that he was going to give. And uh, be honest with you, there are very few books I've read that I have to have a dictionary for, okay? I'm not, I don't mean anything arrogant by that, but every once in a while I have to look a word up. I, I couldn't figure, I mean, it was three words, get the dictionary, three words. I, I read the book, I had no clue what the book meant. And then he came to speak, and I listened to him for four hours, an hour each day. And the only words I understood were hamburger. He said that somewhere in the middle of his speech, on about the third day. He left. We had a student response, which whenever you're in school and you have a student response, it means the students have no clue what the speaker said. Then we had a faculty response. Now, these were our professors, and they all acted like they knew what he said. They had no clue what he said. We had another student response, another faculty response, and when it was over, I thought, none of us have a clue what this man just said for four days. Why? Because he was, way, he was talking to a very small group of theologian PhDs with all kind of degrees piled behind their name. He was using language that most theologians would have to look up. He wasn't talking to Bible student, uh, college students and folks that were just trying to get by and get through. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I've sat in some classes like that where when it was over, I had no clue. I couldn't study for the test because I wasn't even sure what course I was in. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The most common, a good teacher with this gift can make the most complex biblical truths simple enough for everybody to understand. They can share it with a child, and a child gets it. Or they can share it with somebody who's been in church all their life and who's had great teachers. They understand how to communicate. They practice. So that, and their goal is, is, is so that we'll understand and we'll practice. It's not enough to come... And, and get some facts. It, I have to come and I have to get truth so that I can put it into practice because it's only when we put it into practice that it changes our lives. My prayer is that God would raise up spirit-gifted teachers in this church. That He pour out this gift in a multiplicity of ways and effects and ministries and that we would recognize them and that we would honor them as we grow in knowledge and in wisdom and in the ways of the Lord. That, that's our purpose. You know what? We've, we've got some folks that, that pour their lives into our children. And they're making a difference. Okay? I can think right now of, of a little lady who, who, her name was Sally Page. She was the oldest woman I had ever met in my life when I was about five years old. But I can still remember 
being in her primary class in a church looked just like this. Our Sunday school class was was off to the right, and and she taught. She was huddled, and she lived in this this old house in Bradford. But she loved Jesus, and I still remember some of the things that she taught me because she had this gift. I, I can think of a of a man who taught me at at, at my home church. That uh, his name was was uh, J. A. Dorman, and he taught uh, he taught. Uh, Primary boys. If you don't know what that is, I can't explain it. I'm not even sure what age that was. Maybe 10 or 11. But he poured into our lives. Big, tall, lanky man. Man's man. Just poured into our lives. And I've had others throughout my life. They had the gift, okay? And they used it. They used it. And I'm better for it. All of us are. And folks, we need this gift. We need this gift. I, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm not pointing her out to, to do anything to make her. Uh, but Miss Jo has this gift. Okay. And she has taught generations and generations and generations of children. And every time we meet on Wednesday night and she asks us to pray for her. She says, I, I know God's still got stuff for me to do. Okay. Man, that's a teacher. All right. That's a teacher. And there are others in this church the same way. And there are some of you that have this gift, but you're just afraid. Just let go and let God. He'll, he'll take care of it. He'll put you, where he'll get you into the place you need to go. If you don't do well with children, it's okay. You can be in the club with me. I don't do well with children. Okay? I don't do at all very well with teenagers. And I was a student pastor for four of the longest years of my life. Right up on top of the hill at Enon. It was, it was, but I learned some things. That teenagers are just like mothers and daddies. Except in smaller bodies. They didn't learn anything from me. But I learned a lot from them. And you know what? God wants to pour this gift out. He's already poured it out. I mean he really has. I'm just going to ask him this morning to stir it up. You may not teach in a, in a church situation. Your, your teaching may happen at the job site where you work. You may be teaching people that are unlearned and, and don't know Jesus. You may be teaching them about Jesus like somebody in the CIA. You're undercover. Okay, it's okay. We're just going to pray that God pour that gift out on us this morning. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.